Greetings live from the Tropical Resort where we have ventured during this international break and welcome to another episode of Total Fool Ball. I'm your host Alex Lovell joined as always by Ben and Neil. Fellas, how's it going? Can you pull out in hand? <laughs> Sitting poolside, soaking up some rays, soaking up some Netherlands national team games. Uh, I know we've tried to watch as many internationals as we can. I know that's not easy for a lot of people here and everywhere, given all the channel restrictions, but I think we were all able to see at least some of the Netherlands two international matches that took place over the break. Uh, I'm just going to call it a break for ease of use. It's not a break. They were playing a lot. Uh, Starting with the player of the week, player of the window, uh perchance i guess we'll have to mix it up a little bit because it's not exactly a week it's been two weeks and it's it's felt like forever because international football is too much there's just too much going on but fellas uh neil i think i'll start with you i think i started with ben last time i'm getting mixed up I'm getting a little crossed up here <laughs> i'm getting really excited thinking about this uh, but neil who is your player of the week you know what? I didn't even think of that this week, <laughs> just because we watched one one team play. Uh, I watched the games, and I thought they were dramatically improved from their previous showings and in the qualifiers. Uh, still a lot of work to be done, but I'll actually pop across to Ben and let him name his player of the week while I think about who who impressed me, especially because some players didn't play both games. Yeah. A true total football style you have passed on <laughs> to your teammate. I think we can just end the podcast there. I don't, I don't <laughs> think we're all done. I think we had something 10 seconds ago that should have ended the podcast, but we, we're, we're trudging on. We're sitting poolside. I think, a, I think a mayfly flew down my throat. So here we go. <laughs> um, I'll go ahead and, yeah. So I assumed, I guess, somewhat correctly that we would be talking about like the best Dutch player of the, of the round. So uh, there are no other teams. No, there are no other teams that I watched at all. So I would assume for my own benefit and for Alex's uh, Gakpo was my player of the round because I mean, in this, in a very similar fashion to how, how Saibari plays, I guess, it's because Saibari, I just love watching plays so much. How explosive Gakpo is and how instrumental he is to the attack of the Netherlands, um, as well as being a confirmed penalty kick taker in the Ireland game. Um, he's very instrumental to all the setup and all the interplay. He doesn't ever look like a player that, to be honest, like, you're like, wait, how does that guy score goals or get assists? And then he just pops up and he just and it just happens every time. And he works really well with the team. And um, obviously, I could talk about the rest of the Netherlands team all day long, but Gakpo was the was the constant for both games, as well as you know the usual De Jong masterclass every time he's on the pitch. So, way to give it to somebody else. Neil, has that given you enough time to think? It has. I've just been trying to run my mind back over the games, and uh, I do. I agree with Ben that Gabgo was was very good. Um, I would actually give it to Denzel Dumfries, or I'm tempted to call him Dumfries after the Scottish town. 
Um, <clears throat> but I think he's a really solid right back anyway. He shows up for the Netherlands most of the time. And uh, especially right now, they were kind of tweaking the forward, the front three a little bit. And uh, on they have a lot of natural talent on the on the left. But over on the right-hand side, uh, Dumfries kind of gives you that constant running, hitting the back post, um, delivering nice crosses. And I really liked his assist for Vikorst's winner against Ireland as well. He uh, It was a great ball from De Jong, picked him out, and he just so coolly just headed it back across goal. And it was a relatively easy finish. So, yeah, I'm digging it, digging the Dumfries. Yeah, I, I don't have too much to add. Those That was my one and my two that I was going <laughs> to pick. They were surely the standouts. Uh, I'll, I'll add one more player to complete the triangle because he was very influential on that right-hand side. Chavi uh, Simmons, he just continues to get better. He just continues to make me really sad that he will go to PSG at some point and get lost in the shuffle of their just absolute nonsense. But he is far too good to be on that team, um, and he's far too good to be the age that he is. Uh, also, just uh, just a silky, wonderful player, very smart. I think that's what makes those three players that we picked out stand out so much, is that they're not just physically gifted, but they're incredibly intelligent with how they get into the box, how they skip past players, where they crop up. I mean, Gakpo was like always open throughout this entire Entire international window to, to score goals. So a lot of standout performers. Uh, as, as a fan of follicular, follicular fortitude uh, that we always call out, I did want to open the floor to debate for Bout Beghorst's new die job. Fellas, what did you think about that? <laughs> uh, leaving Manchester United clearly was the best choice for him. Uh, not sure about the hair. I, it looks like he's a completely different person or that he's trying to go uh, under an alias or that he's <laughs> gone to ground because he owes someone a lot of money. Um, maybe it would be Doubt Deghorst or something like that. <laughs> Change the haircut, move two times over. Yeah, it's really diabolical. <laughs> now he just needs a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> Neil, any strong opinions as a fellow blonde person? Uh, he's just a disgrace to us all. He, he, he wants to be you so bad, but he can't be. I, I just I don't really like to talk about myself and group myself with other blonde-haired, fair-complexioned men. That's not a group I want to be in. Considering you're a part of that group. <laughs> Just by trade and by culture. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> I never like more than one of us to get together at one time. It's not a good look. I don't think you're allowed you, to. Usually when uh, blonde-haired, fair-skinned people get in a group, uh, some problems start yeah. arising. Yeah. Especially across the Rhine. Um, in lighter news, <laughs> we're transitioning <laughs> away from that. Uh, the Netherlands are in a pretty good spot now after those past few matches uh they are on nine points level with greece uh but with a game in hand for the rest of the group uh still some fair way behind france but how, how are we feeling about their chances for qualification i mean there's the, the new expanded format as we saw last tournament but you never know with the netherlands lately do we think they can pull it off are we are they looking good enough to kind of spring a result against france and 
maybe contend for top spot or do we think the pressure from Greece will tell? Uh, how, how are you both feeling about their chances? I think they're doing pretty well. Um, what, after watching the Greece game and how, and how they showed some fortitude in pulling off the victory against Ireland, um, I think they look pretty, pretty solid now. A lot of their core is running really smoothly and they have young attacking talent that's really kind of you know pushing them forward. I don't have much else to say beyond that. Yeah, agreed. I'd say the like you say the core, that's a, that's a good word to use. Like the spine, the core of the team is really solid and they have a lot of young talent. And I think Cummins actually he's peppering the men nicely, including um, <clears throat> Noah Lang coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. against Ireland for all of, I don't even know if it was a full 10 minutes, but he was lively during that time and getting a little bit more exposure and just getting ready to to play in a very different style of football at, at the international level. Um, when he was on, when he was on during Greece, he kind of looked a little lost, but yeah. he looked a little, he looked a little bit more secure in the second game. I, I totally agree. Um, and they have options too. So, Time will tell. Next month, I think they take on France and then Greece in a doubleheader. So France, France will be a step up because they should have been beating Greece and Ireland on paper, and they did. Um, they made relatively light light work of it, although they they should have finished Ireland off because yeah. at two one, Ireland weren't in the game at all, and then the last five minutes they start, you know start trying to muster an attack, launching balls into the box, and they easily could have given away a free kick or a corner and conceded like right. very easily. So, And that wouldn't have been fair because they should have won that game. They were the better team. So I think they need to go for the jugular a little more, be a little bit more incisive. Uh, but I think it's they're a work in progress, and they'll probably come good as of the tournament next summer. I think they'll qualify, and I think they'll be a much better team by the time that kicks off since we're talking more about the nation of the netherlands versus the league itself do you guys think that because of the players having to travel in place so much even during the national international break maybe that's what kind of you know made them look like they were a little bit slower on the touch versus ireland i think it's i think that's true for every team almost like i i there's very few teams that you can look that played this international break apart from maybe someone like Japan, funnily enough, that are like, wow, they were really on it. They looked they looked like international is a step up. Like a lot of teams looked off the pace. They looked leggy. Uh, they also looked like they were well aware of the limitations of their own bodies and were trying not to do too much to injure themselves. I, I think you could really, really see that in the South American qualifiers. Um, yeah. But I, I do think that, not just the travel and not just the pressure to try to make up ground and get back that second place spot. Uh, It's just a lot of different players from different teams and different systems and a lot to get used to. And uh, while Coleman does have that spirit of the team back, it's still a lot of adjustments. There's still a lot of players that are playing slightly different roles than they would play at club or playing the same position, but having to interpret it differently um, you can look at even someone like Cody Gakpo, who was able to to maintain, but still be a slightly different player because he had to have Malin up there with him and accommodate for Travis Simmons doing what he does. 
Um, and Dumfries did what he did, but all these other players had to cover for him. So I think it's just right. meshing all those systems together takes some time. And I mean, Cohen really hasn't been in the job again for for mm-hmm. the, that long. So it's it's taken a little while, I think, as players are getting shifted out, players are coming to the end of their cycle, players are emerging. The they have so many options for those front three positions. I think it's just a lot of adjustment to get used to. And how did you feel about his decision to leave your man Vifer on the bench in the first game? Uh, <laughs> I, I think I think it was more than justified. I, I save him for the Ireland match away. <laughs> it's a lot tougher. He had quite the rocky start to that match. I will say he seemed to to find his his comfort level. It's just, I mean, it's a lot to get used to, and it's a different level of pressure. And I know a lot of us, including myself sometimes, turn our nose up at internationals and maybe don't like them as much, but it is an added level of pressure. There's different things to consider than you would face at maybe club, and especially when it comes to such an idiosyncratic national team like the Dutch national team. Like, there's just... Oh. Are we still on? About to being so good. We appear to have lost you for the last thirty seconds, Alex. For ten seconds. Good. Maybe. I have no idea where I cut out. Oh, perfect. It's okay. That was a very listeners. Good we are moving on. Alex made some really cogent points. Yeah, yeah. it was really, really eloquent, um, and it's so eloquent that we're just going to leave it in. We're going to do it live, Bill O'Reilly style. Um, but I, I think as a, as a nice follow up to that, um, I want to open the floor for discussion too, because I don't like this kit. I, I usually love the Dutch national team kit. I think this one is terrible. Uh, but I want to hear your takes on it. And if you have a favorite of all time, because I know we've talked about watching the national, the national team for a long time, what would be your favorite and why, and why is it so much better than this current garbage one? <laughs> You go I ahead. Hate, I hate the kit <laughs> right now. <laughs> ben, are you Googling uh, Netherlands kits of different years? Oh, I'm definitely Googling it right now. <laughs> you hear the clickety-clack of the keyboard. But, uh, yeah. No, I'm trying to find the distinct one that I really, really loved. You go You go. I ahead. should probably do that too, to be honest, because I might get it wrong by a couple of years. I do not like the current shirt. I'm with you on that, Alex. It looks, yeah. it looks like... Um, the kind of discoloration it just looks like oh you're sweating and then you you're wearing like a gross sweaty shirt that's a little bit darker in some patches than others uh, it's yeah it's awful i don't like it at all um i usually do like their their kits and i did like one in particular and i'm trying to remember if it was either either for the world cup in 98 or the euros in 2000 oh yeah was, i found the i found the one that i liked orange with it was a night shirt and it was orange and it had like kind of a blue trim to it and it was just that kind of like late 90s early 2000s style that uh to me is very iconic because that was that was a great era of football for me and the the players in that team at the time were fantastic and i can just kind of see dennis Bergkamp plucking the ball out of the air against argentina and prodding it home after a 10,000 mile pass from Frank De Boer. So that's uh, good memories watching. I feel like prodding at home is really understating. Well, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) but it was a prod. He, he, it was a prod. Yeah. The, uh, a curled prod with the outside of the boot. Yeah. (laughs) 
one of my favorite goals of all time. It so. is really one of the my favorite goals to watch just because of also the commentary. <laughs> I heard a really interesting discussion about that, actually. I think it was on Guardian Football Weekly about how it is such an iconic bit of commentary, but objectively it is very bad <laughs> because it doesn't tell you anything about what's going on no. if you're just listening. Yeah, because I think that was a radio broadcast as yeah. well as TV. So anyone yeah. listening was like, "What's happening? What is what's going on?" It's uh, that that one and the Ankara Messi are two of my mm. favorites of all time, just as far as commentary goes. Also, a few of the Gerard ones back with uh, Martin Tyler actually yeah. caring about the game <laughs> versus just slogging through. <laughs> um. I guess I'll go ahead and move to my kids. Um, I was thinking of this one in particular, but uh, World Cup 2010, when they had the white stripe on the both sides of the kit and just the clean orange. It was such a nice-looking kit. And unfortunate for them to lose in the final, but, you know, say la vie. Um, I was, actually, pulling for, I was actually pulling for Spain that day. But, you know... It was it was a good final in the sense that uh, both teams made it. It was not a good final in the sense of everything else. And then I would say I was, my second... I was definitely pulling for the Netherlands on on that one. I had big money, pre-tournament money, riding on them, and the odds were insane because the Netherlands should always be like in the running, and yeah. they made it all the way to the final, all the way to <laughs> extra time, and. Uh, Yep. They're, they're I, the bridesmaid, never the bride of the World yeah. Cup. I should have known better. <laughs> they're they're my, cursed. Uh, my mansion uh, in Mississippi has to wait. I'm not a rich man yet. <laughs> and I guess I'll just finish with my my favorite away kick was the one from 2014 when Van Persie scored that amazing header against Spain. So funnily enough, both of the kits that I thought of were the ones against Spain. So... Yeah, yeah I, I do like that they have the license to just make their away kit whatever color they want. They they don't care. It could be white. It could be black. It could be blue. It could be pink. It doesn't matter. It's a, it's their away kit. They can do what they want with it. Uh, and I, I respect the hell out of that because I wish I could do that in a lot of aspects of my life. Uh, my favorite kits, though, are ones that I was not – alive or aware enough to really observe until much later uh but my favorite of all time is the 88 euros kit that one is incredible i've always wanted one and they're far too expensive right now <laughs> to find however i think adidas like did a re-release and just like a kind of made a crappier version of it uh, i would very much like to find one of those and keep it uh and the other one that i really like is the lotto 92 one i find mm. it very intriguing that they were sponsored by lotto at any point that just seems weird that does not is not a match of like country and sponsor that i would really associate uh, but it looked really cool it had the collar the white trim it was just very classy and it was kind of in that age of there were inlaid designs and if you looked close enough you would see something happen um and it was just it was peak 90s like it was just the the, the excesses of the 90s brought together um, by a company that has a hashtag as a logo. And <laughs> I, I think that's just fantastic. Uh, Alex, is the, is the 88 one the one that looks like a salmon when it's cut open? Yeah, pretty much. 
That one and is it, actually really cool to look at because yeah. it's like a cross between, you know, it's like it's like a fish had a suit of armor kind of, and then also it's just made of cloth. So there you go. And it was in an era when the players, like, they were in shape, but they weren't, like, toned like the players were now. So they were really short and tight and coupled with the shorts. They, they it like, the top half, they looked like a Hot Topic kid from the early 2000s. And then the lower half, you just picture them, just picture an 80s athlete, and that's what you're seeing. And you're seeing a lot of what you probably shouldn't be seeing on broadcast television because the shorts <laughs> were so short. But it's just an iconic kit with iconic goals, iconic hair. Uh, it's just, it's just iconic. And, and I, and I love it for that. Um, this is like a, a couple more. Th- go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, it's like the business on top party on the bottom, but it's just <laughs> the parties on the both the top and the bottom. The party's everywhere. And that's why they won. They were just having a great time. Uh, but in more topical, relevant happening now news, the league does come back this weekend it seems like it never left and it's back and then neil brought up the fact that there's another break next month and i'm very <laughs> mad about that uh but there's a lot of a lot of action a lot of all of our teams playing for once um and i'll go ahead and start because the weekend starting off with Feyenoord against heron which i think will be a very tricky match uh osam sarawi the the street king uh in terms of football is going to be a stern test for our back line. And I'm a bit nervous. I, I kind of see a lot of parallels in this match with the, the one that will pass later on with Twenta and Ajax. I think this is uh, easily a banana skin. Uh, they're always a tough team. They've had a strong start. They have a lot of like sneakily good players that often go underrated and don't really get the moves that they should from Heron Bain. Um, but they're just a, a, a fun squad in my opinion um they have the uh, the the young the son of uh van hoydonk still knocking around uh which i think is is great uh for the legacy purposes and it's just it, it's always fun to see them play and have sons of famous players play and their kit is wonderful with the little hearts always and elsewhere so i i think this will be a win i think this will be a very tough win uh and it won't be a pleasant watch but at least it's not the 5 30 a.m kickoff um, that is what i'm most thankful for um and after that later that afternoon ben psv's taking on nec nymigan um, are you nervous about that one at all um only in the sense that coming off the international break with a few PSV players um, having served some international duty, I'm a little worried about just the the bounce back, like a little bit of, like you said, a little bit leggy, a little bit tired just in general. Because it's still, even if you don't play a whole match, you're still traveling, you're still practicing, you're still doing all that kind of stuff. So a little worried about that, but... At the same time, it's also NEC. Um, I don't foresee them going past PSV unless there's quite literally a miracle. But, I mean, we've been proven wrong before. So I'm going to guess on this one it's a win for PSV, but I think, like, you're in your case, it might be one of those 
where PSV has the majority of the ball, but I guess it's going to end up like a two to one win. So, uh, for our sakes, I hope that is not what happens. I hope you lose. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> uh, Neil, your your seemingly stronger team, Heracles, <laughs> taking on uh, noted crap holes FC Utrecht uh, this weekend. Do you? How many goals do you think you'll win by? Woof. <laughs> could be a lot. Uh, no, it's, this is a crazy one to try and predict because before the season you would be favoring Utrecht and right now they look absolutely awful uh, Heracles have been looking good they also during the international break they appear to have uh, like a bounce game I just kind of saw some some highlights pop up on their Twitter feed I hadn't seen anything on Google or anywhere else about it but they played I might be forgetting I think it was maybe De Grafschap and it uh, looked like they won by like a couple of goals. So staying fresh during the break. Um, yeah, they've looked pretty solid so far. And I keep wondering which which game Utrecht are going to turn it around in. And maybe the smart money would be on a draw this weekend. But I'm just going to kind of back. I'm going to bet on the past and say that Heraclis are going to keep it going. They're scoring goals, keeping it tight at the back. And... Utrecht aren't showing anything positive whatsoever. So I'm going to see Heraclis with another big W. I, I Yeah, I, I think now and every week seems to be the time to be playing Utrecht. So got a lot of got a lot of confidence in your boys for that one. Uh, ben, this week you have drawn the short straw and have the 5.15 a.m. kickoff uh, with Pex Vola taking on go-ahead Eagles. Will you be... Uh, up hunting like actual physical eagles do usually early in the morning i'll be doing my best to sail the seas um best to get a start on before i guess the storms blow through but i think that uh peck is probably going to draw this one i've uh tossed it over a few times whether they were going to lose or draw I think they've they've got enough um, momentum going into this one. Them and Go Ahead Eagles, I think, have the same points so far. I think it's just goal differential. Um, but I think they can get a draw out of this one. It's just difficult because um, Go Ahead Eagles has more of a ability in the league right now just now. They've been there a while. They understand how the area of VC works. And Peck's still kind of, you know, fresh um, coming off of a couple of victories. But we'll see. I'm I'm thinking a draw, maybe like a one-to-one. It could be a tough match for sure. Uh, and hopefully there are more goals than just two for your sake if you're getting up that early to watch it. Um, and I will also be getting up pretty early to watch Excelsior take on the mighty, mighty Almir City. Uh, this is going to be a away game. I, I've been, uh, it's not like Excelsior have been incredible every time I've been able to see them play because they've been in multiple televised matches this season. Uh, but I do think they'll have more quality than Almir City. Uh, I'm very curious to see what Almir has done over this international break. This is kind of a team like them can use the international break, I think, a bit more strategically than some of the other teams because now they've got a sense of where they are and they're knocking around with the big boys and they've seen 
what that means in terms of any mistakes and you're cooked. Um, so I'm very curious to see how they roll out for that match. That said, I do think they will fall just a little bit short, um, but I don't think it will be as heartbreaking as the last loss. I think it will be just a 1-0, one, one moment of weakness, and Excelsior capitalize, uh, and that'll be that. But I think it will be very positive steps in the right direction for them. So I'm, I'm excited to see or watch later on highlights whenever they're uploaded uh, how that match really plays out beyond the scoreline. I think that will be even more important than whatever the result is, is what the performance looked like. Uh, and I think the same kind of goes for Ajax, Neil, against Twente. Like, the performances need to get better, and this is a tough test to do that. It definitely is, and it's funny. I looked at the fixtures earlier just to remind myself. And um, I thought exactly what you said before when you were saying, you know, the, the two – I thought the two most exciting fixtures of the weekend are Feyenoord, Heronbein, and Ajax against Twente. Um, they're not going to be easy games. Twente have had a good start to the season. They've won three out of three, but they've also played, I think, Almir, Pexvola, and then Volendam, who are are not by any means like the three greatest teams in the league. But they've put points on the board much better than Ajax have. Uh, I'm hoping for Ajax's sake that a they have they have used this break as well to recalculate and come out looking a little more impressive, a little more cohesive, and also the style of the game might benefit them more. I'm hoping because the teams they've played so far have all sat very deep and then tried to just hit them on the counter like a very limited amount of times and not overexpose themselves. Whereas I feel like Twente might have a bit more of a go. So that could that could give Ajax some opportunities that have been hard to come by in previous games. Uh, I I'm going to be an optimist and, and say I think Ajax will take the three points, but I think it should be an entertaining game, and I'm probably wrong. I'm probably putting too much faith in them. Um, and I also uh, want this. This is the uh, the Stein Derby. I'm going to christen it. So. Morris Stein is the manager of Ajax, and I did not realize the connection until earlier today that one of the midfielders for Twente, he's pretty gifted. I, I quite like him, actually. I've seen he's scored a couple of goals this season, but it's Sam Steiner's, his son. So they were coming head-to-head, so that's kind of cool. <laughs> but I hope the son loses. I hope the father van- vanquishes him and <laughs> asserts his dominance. Well, I'm sure there will be a lot of interesting notes in the commentary on that that we will absolutely not understand uh, <laughs> because it'll be in Dutch. But that, that's really interesting, and I, I expect a full report next week on the body language and their interactions. Like, are, will they go Pep and Nathan Redmond? Will it just be more chill? Like, what what's gonna what's that gonna be like? So well, I hope I, you're able to look out for that. I'd love to be a fly in the wall at the. At the roast dinner that they're having together. Well, they won't get to talk because James Madison will be running the show there. <laughs> that has been my favorite. The man at roast dinners. Oh, that, that has been my favorite thing that has happened in football for quite some time. I, <laughs> well, I don't know what that's about. It's so bizarre. It's just the weirdest. <laughs> what he's going for. 
it's just kind of one of those things where us would never understand the mindset of an elite athlete because they'll just say stuff like that completely straight faced. Like, <laughs> I, I tell you who would be great around the table is uh, Martin Darun, who who played instead of Efer at the weekend and scored for the Netherlands. I think he has one of the funniest Twitter feeds of any footballer out there. After he scored, he he made some joke about how he's like. He's got his first goal and now he's ready to to overtake Robin Van Persie. I thought that was really funny. Yeah. <laughs> After a slow start. Um, I remember he scored in the past and he he said he posted something saying like a one goal, one goal shy of a hat trick today. Or sorry, two goals shy of a hat trick today because he scored. <laughs> he he seems fun. He's probably I'd like to enjoy some Utsmeiter with him and his family. Yeah, he he is an absolute gem. I he he's one of those that very clearly runs his own Twitter account, and I have massive respect for that. Um, so, uh, agreed, he's a gem. And he's just played three hundred games for for uh, Atalanta, who have been a very entertaining side the whole time he's been there. Yeah, and that's just this season. <laughs> Um, and not only is the domestic league back, but uh, the European competition is also back this week. Um, and I'll, I'll save myself uh, for last because my team is actually playing first, funnily enough. Uh, but we'll go in reverse order. Um, so, Neil, back over to you for Ajax against Marseille in the Europa League. That's a bit of a tough test to start off uh, the European journey. Yeah, the pressure is on there. <laughs> it is a it is a tough test. They've got pretty pretty decent side at the moment. Some good players in there, and that is a it's going to be a pick'em game. I mean, it, it's a shootout, so I really know how it's going to go, but I'll enjoy watching it for sure. Um, <laughs> I think from from an Ajax perspective, they have to they have to be winning these games. Um, I don't ever really like to talk about pressure on managers, especially early in a season. I don't like the cutthroat nature of football where you have a few bad results or even sometimes you just lose a game and people start calling for your head. But <clears throat> So that's not what I'm doing right now. But you look at the fixture lists and uh, and Ajax need, need to win games, including European games. They're not even... They didn't qualify for the Champions League. They're in the Europa League. That is a step down on previous seasons. They need a good start. I'd say they need to avoid defeat. Yeah, and I'd say you're incredibly lucky that this is a home match and not an away match to start mm -hmm. off the campaign. Uh, but that, that yes, but they did lose to Ludogorets in the last home match and <laughs> had one shot on target. So <laughs> that's not always a blessing. Yeah, I don't think I've seen a competitive fixture with. Uh, as few Fs given than Ajax gave in that match. <laughs> like they, they seem very, very certain of their qualification uh, in that regard. So hopefully they remember to wake up for this time. Uh, and at least there's a match before that to, to help warm them up. Uh, PSV with a bit of a tougher test away at Arsenal. Uh, ben, how are you feeling ahead of that one? Uh, it's not great. Uh, <laughs> I'm a little scared. I think uh, I think I'm not doing predictive stuff on European ties because I figured we were keeping the predictive stuff for like the Dutch league specifically. But 
If I had to make a prediction, I think Arsenal's probably going to clear this one 2-0. Um, PSV's got quality. They're great, um, but they thrive on having the ball, and Arsenal, I think, are much better at it. Unless PSV really just comes out and, you know, puts Arsenal on the back foot for the first 25, 30 minutes and gets a goal or two, I doubt that they'll last the whole 90. Arteta's really got them kind of oiled down into a machine. Not enough of a machine to beat Man City, but a machine nonetheless. Yeah, I think it'll be tough. I think this will be one where we'll be talking about Romalio next week. <laughs> I really hope he doesn't start, but I can sense that he will. And, and I think he'll he'll become the talking point, which is, it could be a compliment depending on how you take it, that he's always a talking point. Um, so hopefully he isn't, for your sake, making too many errors. Um, he's, and I also hope he's the heel that, like, when they dipped PSV in the river, he's the heel that was <laughs> pulled out. Yeah, that's a perfect way to put it. Um, and he's always on his heels, which is usually his problem defending. Um, and I, I hope that Feyenoord doesn't have similar problems defending, uh, but I think they'll have probably the easiest test out of the three uh, hosting Celtic at home. Um, I, I, this will be an interesting match. I mean, this is kind of a must must win. You got to get the three points in this one in particular because, uh, I mean, Lazio and Atletico, while at weak points, they're not the weakest and they will be tough tests, but I, I don't expect it to be too much trouble i think this is kind of the most comparable match to a league match um facing someone like heron vane or or twenta uh right now um i think the celtic fans in particular will be very happy that the national anthem will be playing before this match uh, but i still think it will be a tense atmosphere uh the home crowd and the traveling support it'll be kind of what you expect from a champions league tie this is kind of like a, a peak champions league tie with with teams that you expect to be in europe playing each other in the champions league like you could look at this fixture and it's either from 2023 or like 1984 so i i do respect that about it but i do think we'll get the win um and i think it will be a a bit of a barn burner as well so really looking forward to that one my big worry for both of these matches is uh jimenez had a long way to travel um, and as we saw early in the season, when he has a long way to travel, it takes him a little while to settle in. Um, but as we also saw leading into the international break, he's a very good player when he's not worn out. Um, so very curious to see what happens there. Uh, and very curious to hear from you, dear listener, what you think is going to happen this weekend, how you think the Champions League will fare for the Dutch teams uh, that are involved, how you, the Europa League will fare for the teams involved. Um, and just generally how you're feeling about the season so far uh, and how you're feeling about the the journey that we're all going on to watch the Eredivisie uh, and these Dutch teams this season. Uh, ben, Neil, as always, thank you for joining. It's great hearing from you. I hope uh, you get the all-inclusive resort food uh, that we've been enjoying here beachside uh, for this international break. Absolutely. Thank you very much, gentlemen. I'm going to get another cocktail. And uh, luckily for you, dear listener, we're ending the worst bit of all time with the end of this episode. So thank you for listening and sorry. Bye.